0: I couldn't come up at a better clip than that to share about a true story, the day that the sun actually stood still. You know, we watched that clip and it reminds me, you know, it's this visitor from another world arrives to a world that's in chaos. Its social culture is collapsing. And along comes this kind of savior, a visitor who couldn't stand watching a world destroy itself. So I want to start with a question for all of you today. What is your holy discontent? You see, a holy discontent is when you experience this uneasy spirit, about the brokenness of this world, which alienates itself from the heart of God. And it just spurs you into positive action to get out there and change the world. Listen, everyone has something that causes us to feel uneasy about, something that we dislike, something that frustrates. What's yours? You know, for Moses, it was the misery of God's people For David, it was Goliath doing his trash talking about God. For Nehemiah, it was people mocking God. For Martin Luther King, he became famous from something that he couldn't stand either. He couldn't stand all the racial oppression that he witnessed here in the United States. You remember all during the 50s and the 60s. He couldn't stand the lynching of black people. He couldn't stand the fact that all blacks had to sit in the back of a bus. But a day arrived, you see, when the king could no longer stand it. He became determined that he would devote the rest of his life to move the nation towards racial equality. He knew that his holy discontent may very well cost him his life. Well, and it did. One evening in April 1968, when a sniper assassinated him outside of a Memphis hotel. But his legacy continues. So I'm going to ask you again, what's your holy discontent? What's your Popeye moment? You remember Popeye? You had that beautiful girlfriend in olive oil? You remember the heavyset girl? But remember when he says, I stands all I could stands, and I can't stands no more. And he'd pop open that can of spinach, he'd pull it out and pop it in, and he would go in after what was really bothering him, his discontent of what was happening. What is your son stand still faith challenge? What are you struggling? What is it that stop me? Go, son, just stand still. What would make you step out in crazy faith like Joshua did? He had, he asked God the most preposterous request I think in all the whole Bible. He actually said to him, "Stop the son. That's what he did. Joshua, you got to remember, he was born into slavery. He dealt with the fate of every young Jew in his generation. Man, he grew up and experienced. Firsthand, Israel's deliverance from the Egypt's, Egyptians' depression. He was there, he witnessed the whole thing. He was there on his way to the Promised Land and he rose into leadership in that, assisting Moses. Then, at the very border of the Promised Land, disaster struck. The people heard, oh, man, we can't go there. There's giants there. There's walled cities, okay? There's no way we can take a hold of that. But, he's, but that's our destiny. And no, 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 we can't do it. Everyone wanted to turn back, except Joshua and his friend Caleb. Maybe you know the story. Unlike the other 10 spies, they returned from their covert surveillance mission from the promised land, and this is what they said. This is a message of Faith. It's in Numbers chapter 14, starting in verse 7. And they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel, do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of this land. Their protection is gone from them, and the Lord is with us. Don't fear them. But all the congregation said to stone them, and they picked up stones. Fear went out. Don't miss this. If you're new to ever hearing me speak, when I say don't miss this, this means you forgot about everything else I said in these next 20 minutes Try to remember a couple of these. Don't miss this. If you want to experience God's blessings, courageous faith, I'm telling you, is not an option. It's not an option. For, uh, listen. Even after all the miracles that they witnessed, think about this. They, they, they saw God conquer with, all, with, with the ten flag, uh, with the ten plagues, you know, and uh, they saw the Red Sea split and they walk right through it. God fed them in the desert with manna. Man, he had smoke by day, fire by night to guide and uh, protect them. I mean, they seen all that, but they still didn't grasp. They didn't grasp. They seemed, what it seemed impossible for them was exactly where God wanted to use them to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish on this planet. Forty years followed, wandering in the desert because of their lack of faith. Joshua had to endure the consequences, think about this, of other people's choices. Has that ever happened to you? I can think many times, Mary and I, Stepping out in faith and asking other people to come alongside, they just didn't have the faith whether it was in us or in what God was doing to follow, and because of it, we wandered around in circles. You know, Joshua never gave in. He never lost sight of God's promises. And when Moses died, guess who God picked for his successor? Yeah, I know, you're a bright crowd. Joshua. In Joshua 10, we read about five opposing Amorite armies, and they're planning to attack the Israelites. So, deciding to strike early, okay, Joshua leads his army by the cover of night, and sometime during the night, God spoke to him, and this is what he said. Joshua 10. This is when you're going to go the day the sun stood still. This is where you're going to find it. Joshua 10, starting in verse 8. And the Lord said to Joshua, Don't fear them, for I have handed them over to you. Not one of them will stand against you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly by marching all night from Gengal, And the Lord brought them into confusion before Israel. He struck them down in a great defeat at Gibeon and pursued them by way of ascent to Beth Horan and struck them as far as Azekah and Makedah. And as they fled from Israel... While they were at at the descent of beth Haran, the Lord hurled large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from hailstones than those from whom the sons of Israel actually killed with a sword. Wow. The Lord hurled hailstones from the sky down on them. Then as the sun was setting, Joshua had a really big decision to make. Victory wasn't complete yet, and once it got dark, the rest of those Amorites, well, you know what's going to happen, right? They're going to get away. Now, I might be speaking out of school here, but I believe most of us would have called it a day at that point. Hey, I've done all I could, right? Not Joshua. He sizes up the situation and asks the most, I'm telling you, it's the most Preposterous, unorthodox prayer, probably you're going to find in the whole Bible. Joshua 10 12. And then Joshua spoke to the Lord on the day when the Lord turned the Amorites over to the sons of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still <laughs> in Gibeon and the moon at the valley of Aijalon, Stand still, the sun and the moon. Just when the Amorites were hanging on for the cover of darkness, Darkness never came. Just when they thought their day from hell was over, God did an encore. He goes on to say, so the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Joshua? And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and it did not hurry to go down for about a whole day. There was no day like that before it or after it. When the Lord listened to the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Wow. Did God actually stop the earth on its axis? (laughs) Did he create some type of other ah, substitute for the sun and for the moon? In other words, what really went down here? I mean, what really happened? I have to tell you, I don't know what happened, but I choose to believe that the same God who intervened to bring his son back to life intervened on, this, intervened on this day to help his people. And he did it in a way that his people would never forget, in a way that actually we're all still marveling today. So I thought, instead of maybe of trying to figure out technically how this all took place, maybe there's a more relevant question we need to ask. Could it just be, that God intends for us, all of us, to have the same kind of courageous faith, the kind of faith that dares to believe God for the impossible. I mean, you know what? Let me just say that again. Could it be, just could it be, that God intends us in the world that we're living in now in the culture that we got all around it, could it be that God might be asking us to have the same kind of courageous faith the kind of faith that dares to believe him to do the impossible as we look around. Listen, do you remember the story in Acts where Peter and John came across a cripple at, at, at Gate Beautiful? Remember the guy was sitting there and he's asking for alms, um, silver and gold and whatever. And remember Peter goes, "Well, yeah, we don't have any silver and we don't have any gold, but what we got, we'll give to you. Get up and walk." Remember the story? And the man got up and he was leaping and jumping, that story goes, and he went into the the gates with them. Well, here's where courageous faith comes in. Religious leaders didn't like what just took place. And they grabbed a hold of them and they started to interrogate them. You want to talk about courageous faith? Let me read it to you, Acts 4, verse 7. They're in front of the religious group when they had placed them right in the center, can you see they're all circled around them? And they began by saying, by what power and in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you And all people of Israel, by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. Wow, there's courage, there's faith. Can I tell you, there's nothing that our world needs more desperately today as individuals, as families, as communities, and as a country than God's giving supernatural acts Listen, we may not see the same miracles performed like Joshua did or Peter and John, but can I listen to me? We serve the same God. The same power that stopped the Son and raised Jesus from the dead lives in every single believer that is in this room, that is listening on the Internet, wherever you're hearing this message. Friends, extraordinary moves of God. Believe me, begin with ordinary acts of obedience. Don't miss this. God demonstrates his power and supplies the provision in direct proportion to the faith of his kids. That's where it happens, friends. Extraordinary moves of God begin with ordinary acts of obedience from each and every one of us. Listen, when Moses had his first encounter with God, you realize, remember, he was in his 80s, okay? He's on the far side of the desert, tending sheep. And they're not even his sheep. It's his father-in-law's sheep, Right? Well, then you know what happens? A a bush catches fire. (laughs) Moses walks over to look at it. Story begins. Friends, almost all encounters with God begin in almost the same way, in a kind of a a mundane way. You may be living under the illusion that when God ignites a great thing in your life, he's going to announce it with this huge fanfare. He might... It's more likely he won't. The day that you gave your life to Christ, did you know you signed a full-time ministry agreement? Did you know that? Oh, yeah, you're not going to like this. Don't miss this, some of you. No matter who pays your salary, what money market you get your retirement from, you're a full-time employee of the kingdom of God. You're full-time, baby. Think you're retired? No. No, you're not. You might be retired from the secular world, but you're not from the kingdom of God. You're not a seasoned ticket holder this morning or those sitting in your living room watching this message where you just come to church just to be entertained. No, 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 no. You're marketplace missionaries, each and every one of you. You are the image of God within the sphere of your influence. Man, I hope you're hearing me. You're marketplace missionaries. You're employed until the day God calls you home Friends, you might be thinking you're unimpressive and unqualified. Well, that's good. (laughs) It really is good. Because God performs his most impressive feats for the most unimpressive people. I love Hebrews 13. Paul says, God will equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Did you know God likes his wood wet before he sets it on fire? That way, everyone knows who made it burn. Like in the story from 1 Kings and Elijah, let me just jump into the later part of the story. Answer me, Lord. He's crying out to God as he's sitting there with the wood on an altar, and he's got a sacrifice there, and the wood's soaking wet, and there's water all around the altar. And he goes, answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people are all standing around may know that you, Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell on their faces, and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Don't miss this. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the ones that he calls. And believe me, Mary and I are perfect examples of that. We were the most unqualified people to serve the kingdom when we first started work, walking with the Lord, but he came to show us early on, well, it's not you that's doing the work, Paul. It's like McFly, it's me. I call the unqualified because they know the only way it works that the Lord could happen through you or Mary is because I'm working through you. I hope you're all hearing me out there. Friends, there's no limit to what God can do, and there's no limit to what he can accomplish through an obedient heart. God's invisible work in you prepares you for visible works through you, as he's transforming you through the invisible, the visible comes out. I love what Paul says here in Philippians, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work among you will complete it by the day of Christ Jesus. Friends, you realize, right? I mean, you realize that God spoke the universe into existence, right? I mean, you know that, right? Look what Psalms 33 says. The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the the stars are born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the ocean in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord, and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. You know, I read, I mean, it's so amazing the universe and what God does. I read the other day that some scientists found that they found some stars that are so big, their they're they're stars are larger than the orbit of Jupiter. They're gigantic. Listen, do you realize our God is the one, the God who leveled the walls of Jericho? I mean, you know it was him, right? Remember the story? So the people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, they shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, everyone straight ahead, and they took the city. Do you know that our God is the same one who took on flesh and walked among us? John 1, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw the glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen, I mean, John, who baptized Jesus, I mean, he, John's in prison. And one day, he's, he just sends a word. He goes, are you really who, who they say you are? And Jesus answered him and said, go and report to John what you hear what you see those who are blind have received sight those who limp walk those with leprosy are cleansed and those who are deaf hear the dead are raised and the poor have the gospel preached to them he not only walked on water Jesus not only walked on water he enabled the fishermen to walk on the water with him think about this it said when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were terrified they said it's a ghost <laughs> They cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take courage, don't worry, don't worry, hey, 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 it's I, it's all right, it's okay. And Peter goes, whoo if that's really you, Lord, call me, command me to come on out, out to you. And of course, he says, come. Most of you know the story. He got out of the boat, walked on water, he came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, took him by the hand, and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got back in the boat, the wind stopped. Our God, he can do whatever he pleases. And what pleases him is to show his power and his glory and his renown. I'm unmasking you. Give him the opportunity. Give him the opportunity. Pray faith fueled prayers. Live a life that can only be explained by the existence of God. Don't miss this. I know I have a bunch of them. I'm trying to keep you awake. Don't miss this. This is really important. As a matter of fact, you should go home next week when this is playing. You should probably write this down. Remember, faith is not based on who you are or what you can do. Courageous, bold faith is based on who God is, what he's already done, and what he's going to continue to do. I had a... personal. I had a dream Tuesday night that I was in a cell. I wasn't taken there. I put myself there. So I'm in this cell. Now I want to get out. Prison cell. So when I awoke, you know, I laid there and, you know, how you had some of those dreams, you know, and I asked the Holy Spirit, what the heck? What was the meaning of that dream? And what was revealed to me was that, he said, Paul, the reason why you keep putting yourself in that cell is because of a reoccurring offense in your life but your lack of faith. You see, during that day, that Tuesday during the day before I went to sleep that night, I had a reoccurring challenge presented to me. And even though God has brought me through this type of challenge before, my faith, I still wavered. Maybe you know what I'm talking about in your own lives. And because my faith wavers, I put myself right back into the cell again. I lock myself up again. And once again, I'm in the cell and now I'm looking for a way to get back out again. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that the key that unlocks the door is the same reason I'm in the cell? It goes, <laughs> it's your faith. The key that unlocks the door of my cell is the key of faith. But you see, the key of faith is outside of my cell. I will never get out of my cell. I want, you under, I want you to hear all this. I won't get out of my cell with my faith. My faith has to be put on someone outside the cell to open it for me. Oh, man, I'm going to say that again. My faith has to be put in someone outside the cell that can open it. Like an inmate in a prison, a prison guard has to open the cell for the prisoner to get out. The Holy Spirit revealed to me that my prison guard has the key to set me free. He's got the key to set me free from doubt and anxiety and worry and fear. Because you see, my, guards, my guard stands outside the cell holding the key of faith. He has the key of faith, not me. He says, put your faith in me. Paul, you will never have enough faith to unlock yourself. If you did, you wouldn't be continually locking yourself up. Paul, look to the guard of your heart. Look to the guard of your heart. It's me, Jesus Christ. Put your faith in me. Put your faith in me. I have come to set the captives free. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who were oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Can I tell you, as I sat there Wednesday morning absorbing everything that the Holy Spirit revealed to me, I opened up my Bible and I just flipped it, okay? And the Holy Spirit gave me a scripture. And it's a psalm that David wrote, struggling with his own lack of faith. And it's Psalms 22. And this is what the Lord said to me through his word. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my help are the words of my groaning. My God, I cry out by day, but you don't answer. And by night, I don't have any rest. Yet, you are holy. You are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted they trusted and you rescued them, rescued them. To you they cried out and they fled to safety. In you they trusted and they were not disappointed. So let me close with a couple statements I mentioned previously. Almost all encounters that you're going to have with God, they usually begin in the mundane. You may be living under the illusion that when God ignites something inside of you, you know that, we're the, oh, your Popeye moment, you know, uh, and, and it's just, you know, you're ready to go do something. There's going to be some big fanfare. We might. Probably not. Remember that the day you gave your life to Christ, you signed a full-time ministry employment. Okay. <laughs> no matter who pays your salary, no matter again what money market you get your retirement from, you're a full time employee of the kingdom of God. And please don't ever think that you're retired because you're never retired from the kingdom. And remember, you're not a seasoned ticket holder here at church, okay? You don't come here to be entertained. You're marketplace missionaries. You are the image of God. And God has put you into a sphere of influence that you can make a difference in a desperate world that so needs to hear of a Savior who loves them and cares for them and wants to be there with them. God has given you and me the privilege to let him work through us. Remember, you're always don't worry what you're going to say. Have faith in him, not in yourself. Let him speak through you. Have faith in Jesus Christ. And remember, I'm telling you, he uses the most unimpressive people and the most unqualified to do good stuff. He just does. So my final statement. If he could stop the sun in your life like he did with Joshua, or he could ask you maybe just to bring a cup of cold water, an encouraging word, box of cookies to a neighbor, struggling and suffering. Whatever it is, hear me. Be obedient and do it for the glory of God. We serve a God of miracles. So please stand as we close in prayer. So Lord, I thank you for your word today. Lord, I thank you that My faith doesn't have to be in what I feel I can accomplish or do, but our faith, Lord, is in you. Lord, our faith is in you. Thank you that you've called all of us who call upon your name to be your missionaries in a world that is so broken, that needs so desperately to have a Savior. Lord, give us the courage that we would have enough courageous, preposterous faith They'll look at that situation that you put before us and know, I know you can do it. I know you can stop the sun. I know you can make this happen, Lord. I know that I'm here to be obedient and follow you. And all of God's people said, amen. God bless you all.